Hi, welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and I'm like you. At the end of the day, I want fulfillment, peace, joy, and my problems solved. So I hunt for the latest and greatest authors and experts in self-help today and ask them the candid and in-depth questions I'm curious about for my own growth. I bring these conversation series to you so we can learn and grow together. In this episode, we wrap up my series on Andy Norman and his book, Mental Immunity, Infectious Ideas, Mind Parasites, and the Search for a Better Way to Think. Today here, I bring on my frequent co-host, Tom Ziegler, CEO of Ziegler and son to Zig Ziegler. And we talk about this concept of how we view our beliefs. What came out of the discussion was a, a, an interest in what is more important our beliefs or relationships in our culture now that is arguing and polarizing about beliefs. What we most have is just a fight from two warring sides. How similar is this to our personal relationships? So often no one's considering the other. They're just arguing their side and without putting the relationship first, it's hard to find validity for even making the effort, wasting the breath. So we lead off here in just a moment, discussing a Facebook post Tom Ziegler made after listening to my initial talk with Andy. That was episode 1033, if you haven't heard it. And in the post, Tom said, to reject unconditional love is to embrace hate. Think about that. To reject unconditional love is to embrace hate. As you're about to hear, this was, again, from talking about how we view and fight for our beliefs. I think you'll want to hear more and see how you feel about that statement, how relevant it is to your life and how you're viewing your beliefs. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, of course, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Leave a review about this specific episode. And best of all, talk about it, something in it that piqued your interest with someone else. You can always find me on my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Well, next up, Tom Ziegler and I talk about Andy Norman's message of mental immunity and beliefs and that question of what is more important, or at least sequentially first, beliefs or relationship. Tom Ziegler, my co-host extraordinaire. It's been a couple weeks, I think, since we've checked in. Though I do get to see you face to face, which has been, this is probably about like the longest span that we've gone, I think. And I see you next week in Dallas, uh, because I'm going to a rare event. I don't go to a lot of them. I'm going to podcast movement because everybody I know in podcasting is actually there face to face. So I'm going to take advantage of that. And you live there. So, uh, Thursday morning breakfast, man, I'm, I'm so, uh, looking forward to it. It's been way too long. So give myself and everybody a quick update on you. Yeah. Last couple of times we've talked, we've always checked in on your, I want to say your exercise streak, but let's just call it a health and wellness streak. Uh, yes. You've had a busy time. Tell me what's happening. <clears throat> so let's see. So today was day 84 in a row. Okay. Awesome. And the streak means at least 30 minutes of intentional movement. Uh, and so last week I was in, um, I started off a week ago, Tuesday, flying to Orlando and then did a two day coach leadership program for a couple of great companies. Uh, they, they're like partner companies, soft wash and disruptor systems, uh, several of their leaders, six of their leaders in the room. We're talking about disruption and how to lead in this time of change and how to walk out the 10 virtues. And so that, you know, all that travel, that puts a little bit of, uh, you got to have some, some think time of when am I going to do this exercise? Luckily the hotel had a great gym. Beauty. Um, then Friday I flew, I left Orlando at five fifty-five AM Ouch. to fly to Fresno. Oh, yeah. So that's like five hours on an airplane yeah. with a, with a two hour, uh, stopover in DFW. Okay. And this is kind of cool. Fresno is about an hour and a half from Yosemite and it's about an hour to kind of the mountains or the foothills of the mountains. 
And so I planned my exercise, a hike in one of the uh, trailheads there. Beautiful. So got that in uh, and then spoke a keynote for that group. Uh, the, the largest speaking or largest uh, Amway Spanish organization. Wow. And so uh, I was in their studio at their headquarters and they broadcast it out to about uh, 8,000 people and it was translated. And all I can say is, is their translator must be really, really good because they've invited me back. Beautiful. <laughs> so Beautiful. And the topic on that was uh, choose to win, thriving in disruption. Yeah. And so this theme of disruptions going on, uh, came home Sunday and then Tuesday spoke again to uh, Intuit. And so most people know Intuit yeah. through their through their brands, TurboTax and yeah. QuickBooks. Uh, and the subject of that presentation to data analysts was, you know, think big, dream big you know, go for it in these times of disruption. How do you motivate yourself and, and create amazing products and solutions for your customers in, in these crazy times? How do you motivate yourself? So uh, just a great week. And it's just a theme that's going on. I'm also on day, I started a new streak. Uh, my goal was, I don't know, maybe we should talk to Dr. James because maybe he would he, he might agree or disagree. I'm on this eating plan where I'm just a uh, hundred grams or more of protein a day and a hundred grams or less of carbohydrates a day. Interesting. And so it's like modified keto. It's really not. It's like when you travel and do all this stuff, it's not like one of these mentally defeating things um, because you're not having any carbs uh, but it's also dramatically less than I was doing. So it just kind of automatically makes you make better choices. So, well, so I'm wondering just how you're feeling. So with the, with the, both of those things, how are you feeling? Uh, exercise is fantastic. I mean, that's really good, you know, and, and most of the time I'm doing kind of like interval stuff where I'm doing like 30 minutes of cardio, but it's kind of interval and I'm stopping and doing stretch bands and stuff like that no heavy weights or anything. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on where I am and the eating, uh, I'll be honest, felt feeling kind of flat the first week, uh, just because I eat too many carbs and yeah. I was, I was too dependent on them. That's leveled out though. So that's a much better. I've rediscovered my love for apples, uh, because that's a, you know, kind of a high fiber, relatively low carb thing. And it still gives you that little bit of sweet yeah, in there. Yeah. Put some uh, almond, almond butter on it. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's good. So yeah. Well, so now I, feeling good. And yeah. I appreciate you saying that because yeah, we change our diets and sometimes we go, Oh man, I just don't do well. And if I don't have carbs, and often it's because that's what your body has adjusted to and you would feel better, you know, if you went longer without them and adjusted to that, because I'm still to some degree, I mean, I don't do a ton of them, Tom, but if I, I spent so many years, my gosh, it's a pro cyclist. You lived, you know, we lived on carbs back then. And right now, if I want to perform well, if I'm going to do a, you know, even just a big ride or run on my own or do a race, I will do all the carbs that I don't normally do. I perform well on them, but it, I think it's because I adjusted to that. So, uh, good to put out there. Well, man, thanks for the update. So you, uh, I've had, you know, I had Andy Norman on, we talked about his book, mental immunity. Uh, again, the title mental immunity, infectious ideas, mind parasites, and the search for a better way to think. And I, as you listened to the show, of course, really geared it towards the aspects of belief and how we, associate our self images with our beliefs. And so we went down that road, but obviously covered a lot of ground. And then I did part two with him where we of course talked about his values, habits, and, uh, motives and habits. So you listened to that. You said it was great. And you said, Hey, check out this Facebook post that you had done from a thought that you got, you know, germinated or catalyst from listening to that. And I went to it. The quote said to reject unconditional love is to embrace hate. You posted that not long ago. And last, when I looked at it, it had a hundred and some comments already. And somebody had pulled out something that you said in a response to one of the comments, which was 
When we make our love conditional, it means we leave the door open for hate. Unconditional love means you love the person even though you disagree with actions and or beliefs. So I'm going to throw it at you, but my assumption is as you talk about that beliefs that we are in, you got me thinking we're in such a volatile time. Maybe we always have been, but it's just publicized so easily and quickly, immediately now where everybody's shouting their beliefs from these drastically polarized places. And it feels like there's a lot of hate because if you differ, then you are hated. You are evil. There's not much middle ground of consideration, which is what Andy's message was about. But tell me where, where, where that came from. Yeah. So a couple of things, first off that, uh, the show with Andy, to me, it was just like constant brain candy, even though I'm trying to stay away from sweets. It was like, (laughs) it was like just kind of one, uh, nugget bomb perspective after another on, on these things that are going on. And so what I linked, uh, together, I I made that statement and I actually asked my, my Facebook uh, friends, hey, what do you think about this? Because mm-hmm. it was a very strong statement to reject unconditional love is to embrace hate. Um, and I wasn't stating that as, hey, this is the truth. This is absolute. It's a thought that I'm trying to dig into. And the reason I put it up there is I was listening to the podcast. Um, Dad said that the number one cause of a poor self-image is the lack of unconditional love. Hmm. And so in the recording, if I remember Andy, he said something like our self-image and our beliefs are closely linked. Mm -hmm. And the reason that people uh, reject somebody else's belief or, or opinion or perspective is because they often have a poor self-image and they have to defend that or admit that they're wrong because they link that poor self-image with their belief right? and they have to defend it. And so then I started thinking, okay, well, wow. How many people have poor self-images because they've never, they were, they were, they were loved conditionally. In other words, I love you because of what you do, or I love you because you, you do uh, this for me, you provide this for me, or I love you because of your beliefs rather than I love you because you're a creature created by God, which is kind of unconditional, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I, if, if my self image is based on unconditional love as a Christ follower, that's what I believe that I have value because of my creator, not because of what I do. And then in the Facebook stream, we talked about grace and golly, you know, you can't earn it. It's grace. (laughs) And so that's a different kind of self image, which basically means that when when somebody comes to you with a different belief or a different opinion and and they even quote unquote attack you because your self image isn't dependent on what others think, it doesn't have the same impact. Right. Mm -hmm. It, it, and so it allows you to be both to be, uh, to respond instead of react. But if your belief attacks my self image of myself then I have to win the argument or I'm not validated. So that's where that came from. Okay. So, and right there, I love that, you know, lack of unconditional love. Cause when you said that, I thought, okay, first place to start with that. Cause you can think of lack of unconditional love. And I think we were kind of tuned in to say tip for others, as opposed to turning around and go, wait, what lack of unconditional love for myself. And which I am, you know, continually, and I got to always credit Robin Sharma had him on the show. I don't know, two year, two, three years ago, maybe. And when I asked him about relationships and some of his habits and values there, he said, well, first relationship is with myself. And 
I've heard that since then, but it was really kind of new to me at the time to really give that focus in that aspect of relationships. And when you're talking about unconditional love, do I have unconditional love for myself? Do I have grace as you talked about for myself? And even in that, I mean, as you heard talking with Andy Norman, you know, having the humility to put your beliefs on the table somewhat, but also the confidence to put them out there. I've continued just to, as we've produced the shows and we've written, you know, memes and I've gone and checked out Andy's social media and I continue to think about it more because Tom, I got to admit, man, and, and I think you'll relate to this growing up in the South and in the a religious structure. I mean, you don't, I didn't question beliefs. I was, I really got the concept. I'm not going to say somebody forced us down my throat, but I didn't really have a framework of questioning beliefs. This is the truth, the absolute truth. It's in the Bible. You don't question it. It just is. And even if, even if we would attest to some absolute truths there, and I'm not going down that rabbit hole necessarily, but man, you didn't put them on the table to question them. And I look and realize how much I've missed out on in the past by not just being open to some others thoughts. I think I'd be even more educated on my beliefs and I'm pursuing that now. I want to know about what the other side thinks and why, and it helps me be stronger in my, you know, belief, or at least have grace for the other side. Cause as I talked about with Andy and you heard, I think we got most people of pretty staunch belief, not just the guys who are, or gals who are out there trying to argue and win, but the ones who really care that their values are pretty similar. They may see some opposing sides and it may be difficult, but man, it may be pretty similar, but can we have unconditional love for ourselves and others? And in that, the confidence to grapple, uh, or, or, you know, yeah, to, to be questioned. And I'm just aware of how much I, 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 I was so often not open to that. And, um, it's a different frame yeah. of reference to be able to. And it's, um, so in Ziegler, you know, we have, uh, we have our choose to win mentoring mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a year long program. And every Monday morning I lead it. Uh, and I, whenever we get, when we talk about relationships, I say, somebody asked me one time, they said, you know, it seems like every time I work with somebody or coach somebody or advise somebody, it's always a relationship challenge. And I said, yeah, every, everything is a relationship challenge. And I said, and don't forget, there's everybody has three relationships. You, you have a relationship with yourself. You have a relationship with others. And you have a relationship with God. <laughs> and so when I when I my thought behind to reject unconditional love means it's a two way street. It means you might reject unconditional love from the creator, right? Whatever your concept there is, or it might mean that you don't unconditionally love yourself, mm -hmm. right? You, you could see yourself as, as always failing and never being worthy, or you could love yourself unconditionally and say, uh, Hey, I'm growing, right? Hold hold yourself accountable and then forgive yourself. Yeah. But, but, but yet love yourself anyway. And, and then of course there's unconditional love with other people. You know, do you, ex some people have a hard time accepting unconditional love. Uh, and this is not unconditional love, but it's the same thing. Sometimes when I get on an airplane, which I had a, a lot of opportunities last week to do, I'll, I'll give away a, quote book and a $5 Starbucks card. And about one in 50 will be like, no, I don't want that. Wow. And I'll say, well, you know, you can give it. No, I don't want it. And so at least one of them, I'm like 99% certain that they, that their trust have been burned so badly in the past by somebody that they think that any gift has strings attached. Wow. Yeah. And so I could see unconditional love uh, being hard for some people. And then the other thing that came up on the Facebook feed was uh, well, wait a second. 
does unconditional love mean that you allow harmful people into your space and, and to give them the ability to hurt you even more? And of course, my concept is, oh, absolutely not. If you unconditionally love yourself, then you're going to create healthy barriers and you can eat, you can love unconditionally somebody from a distance and say, yeah, I love them as a human being as God's creation. And of course they act that way because they don't have a relationship with God, but that doesn't give them the right to hurt me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but that one statement to reject unconditional love is to embrace hate. Uh, there's so much context behind it. There's no way it could, you know, I, I wanted that. I don't want to say clickbait, but I wanted that thought provoking question because is the opposite of unconditional love? Is it hate? Uh, maybe not. Somebody else put in there, which I like even better. Uh, worse than hate is irrelevance. I was thinking indifference. And yeah. I'm sorry. Indifference. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Indifference. People can, uh, you'll see their, their epic stories of people who live through hate to rise above it and, and bring love and justice and mercy and compassion and kindness and make the world a better place <laughs> because the hate actually motivate them to say there's a higher, but indifference is the ultimate uh, energy sucking powerlessness trap. When we're, when we're treated as if we don't matter. Oh, that's hard. I mean, that's, that's one of the, yeah, the hardest spots in from a, like a marriage counseling standpoint, you know, it's easier to deal with hate because at least if you have hate, at least you still care. If you're indifferent, you're kind of gone. And it's interesting on that note of marriage, Terry real, who we had on in episode one Oh two nine, he, to what you said a minute ago, as far as if you have unconditional love, do you allow X, Y, Z to happen and somebody to do something to harm you? And he literally has in the book that, you know, true love is, is, is all is sometimes saying no for your benefit and others. And man, that's, that's illogical to us a lot, but, but so relevant. I did want to just hit on, you know, the unconditional love aspect because it is so, it can be so dicey. And I, I, I resonate with the struggle of it as a parent. So do I have in my heart of hearts, do I have unconditional love for my children? I really think that I do. You know, I want to say absolutely, but it's easy to say, but do, do I really, do I really? And I, I think, yeah, I think I really do, but do I have unconditional like, man, not all the time. That's different. I mean, there are, there are kids you resonate with and some that don't, do you feel, do they feel that? And then on the aspect of, and you mentioned this at the beginning of a, our tendency to applause for performance. I mean, we just do, we're in a culture and you glorify performance and success and a touchdown. And I mean, of course we love that. And so if your kid's in the game and they're doing a good job, you know, it, it's pretty good. You say, man, that, that was a good job. Now, if they touch us, you know, the game winning touchdown, what do you do? You're screaming in the bleachers and, you know, hoisting them up on your shoulders. And it's, it's so difficult not to do that as a parent, and as a kid, because I think that's a little bit of my own story, Tom. And my parents, you know, their love was unconditional. I, I, but I noticed, you know, when you win this or you win that or you shine, well, they, you see, you see something there and I like that. I want more of that. And so I'm going to perform to that. And I can even take that and again, go forward and really have some struggles with my own success and failure in my like of myself. I mean, it's some, as Andy, as our buddy, Andy Andrews would say, we're in, we're in the deep pool, uh, in talking about this issue of unconditional love. It's so hard to deal with that as a parent and then to not have some feelings towards that. And then when we come out into this aspect of beliefs, that we wrap ourselves around that again, man, even after all this with Andy Norman and look at, I, I'm just pondering it daily, Tom, I sure don't have it whipped. I didn't hear that message and go, okay, now I'm good, man. I'm good. I got my beliefs. I know where they are. I'm all, I'm all good now. I'm, I'm now da just daily looking at him and going, huh, how's that one in regards to attachment to my self image? How do I feel about that? Am I really, especially with this person that I may feel a little tension with. Am I really 
humble enough to offer that up and really try to step around on their side of the mountain in essence, and look at it from their perspective and really consider them. A lot of times, Tom, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm tuning in to sometimes I do sometimes I'm there, especially if I do, I, you know, I really respect the person I with, I'm with. I, I really respect their intellect and their heart. And I trust them. If I don't, a lot of times I just don't care enough. I don't care enough. And I, I just, just know. And back, we're, well, we're back to indifference, I guess, in the aspect there. And are we, uh, do we care enough to grapple with that belief? And I'm concerned. I've had a couple instances lately. I'm concerned as a culture sometimes. I don't know that we care even as much as the media would almost showcase us as caring. Yeah, I, I just read a poll in... Um... <laughs> They were juxtaposing what people will say in public versus what they believe in private. Okay. Okay. So these numbers are not exact, but it's pretty relative. Something like uh, 63% advocate, yeah, you should wear a mask. You know, masks are good. In private, only 40, 47%. That's profound. So like, it's not surprising, but that is that is profound. And so there's this pressure to be part of the group, right? Wow. To be part of the uh, community. And, and so their social circle in their mind leads a little bit more liberal or a little bit more, hey, masks are good. And so I'm going to let everybody uh, let, I'm going to, I'm going to, what do they call that? <laughs> virtue signal. <laughs> I'm going to virtue signal that. And so all the hot topic issues, there's this um, disconnect between what people say and what they believe internally. So people will, will regularly uh, say things to keep them part of their group sure. that they don't really believe. And so a lot of the quote unquote lightning rod politicians that, that do well, they're not looking, they don't care what people say publicly they care about what they do in the voting booth when nobody's uh, watching. Smart. Right. Yeah. And so that's an interesting thing about how our, our peer pressure, the, the need to fit into a group uh, makes us project one view or belief when internally we're like, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. That's, I mean, that social pressure. I mean, Andy talked to that, that are, and, and honestly, I, I'll, I'll speak back again to my initial introduction to Andy was Jordan Harbinger's show. And Jordan did a good job of talking about that pressure of when that belief we're back to that, when it's attached to our self image and to our group of belonging, it's so difficult to speak against that. And I'm gosh, I'm sure I've done it plenty of times and just kind of let it, let it ride. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you guys, even though over here, I know, no, I'm not doing that there, but is it important enough for me to make a stand against and jeopardize or stress that relationship? And that's a relevant thing to hold up. I and mean, how many times has somebody been in a family situation, especially and heard somebody say something and go, yeah, I'm just not going to touch that. It's probably not worth it. And sometimes it's probably not. It's probably not. When is it important enough to, um, but as we're addressing again, the cultural vibe of vitriol and uh, that's going on, it, it brings yep. us to the, to the mat. And then of course, Andy talked about, he, he mentioned a little bit about polarization. Sure. And I, th I think we talked about it before. If you, if you take a dozen right of center people and you give them a social problem, their solution is going to be further right than the average of the group. And if you hmm. take 12 uh, left of center uh, people and you give them a social problem, their solution is going to be even further left. Okay. And so, so what, how does that allow us to come together? Right. And so both of those groups have to posture that, Hey, I'm a good conservative or I'm a good progressive. And so they'll, so they'll present, they'll, they'll buy into a solution that's not really what they believe, but they think the group believes it. And then out of that, the two groups are now further apart than when they started. 
And you take that uh, factoid and you say, well, what if we had taken six people from each group and said, hey, why don't you guys figure out the social problem? They're probably going to have a more centered uh, response, right? Like, mm -hmm. okay, you can't leave the you can't leave the room, and no food's coming <laughs> until you guys agree on what the course of action is going to be. They're going to end up more in the middle, and then, I mean, wouldn't this be awesome if you had twelve the twelve people in that room didn't feel like their value as a human being was any greater or any less because other people agreed or disagreed with their view. Yeah. Right. That's where, that's where real, I think wisdom comes from. And so uh, somebody said, well, how easy is unconditional love? And I said, gosh, that's gotta be the most difficult thing ever. Yeah. Uh, there's even a school of thinking that everything we do has a selfish motive behind it. You know, even cleaning our baby's diapers has a selfish motive behind it. Sure. I don't want to smell that stuff around the house. Get, get yeah. it out of my face. I, I'm, I attest to that one, Tom. I mean, to, it's one that I've fairly embraced that I, I struggle to think, can we really do something totally selfless? The most selfless thing I could possibly do is going to give me some gratification. And can I really separate out? You talk about wisdom. And again, I'm going to cite my kids, Tom. I have found myself, I have, I have smart kids. I have kids who really study in on different subjects and I find myself more and more and, and I want to hope that this is an aspect of wisdom instead of just staunchly standing on that thing that I, I think is best to say, you know what, to the best that I can figure out from my lifetime experience at this point and the best that I can figure out out there. I can't prove that this is right, but we all got to make a decision on something like getting vaccinated or not. You know, we're all going to make a decision. It's hard to make absolute proven case. So with, with as much as I can figure out, this is the decision I'm going to make. And I found myself saying that as opposed to the right or wrong and just trying to argue the point. And I don't know if we talked about it, if I talked about it in the Andy's show, I think I've, I've talked about it before, but I'll say it again, you know, dealing with, you mentioned our, our doctor, Randy James, who co-hosts a lot of the shows back with COVID and the vaccination. Uh, he originally, he initially did not, and I did not either. Um, and he really struggled. Cause here he is and he says, I am not on the front lines of COVID. That is not my job. I'm in here seeing patients and doing, but they're looking to me for counsel. So I'm looking to, this is what Randy says. He says, I'm looking to the people that I respect most who are out there on the front lines. And the frustrating thing is here's somebody I significantly respect and follow. And they're saying no. And here's somebody I significantly respect and follow. And they're saying yes. And I'm having to go understand why. And sometimes there's extenuating or there probably always are extenuating circumstances, but I'm supposed to then come over here and act like I know the truth and tell my patients. Uh, it really puts, he said, it really puts him in a hard place. And I love the humility of that. And he shared that with patients and said, you're going to have to make your own choice. And interestingly, and I'll be candid, he ultimately, and I can't tell you how far along in the process of COVID and vaccines it was. But he finally said, you know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and do it. And his reasoning was, I'm finding less reasons not to. And so he did. And as he is the person that I'm looking to, I went with him. We literally went together with another buddy and all got our vaccines and our cards. And, uh, and we did it. And so for me to, you know, even turn to my kids and go, okay, daddy, why did you, you know, get vaccinated? I told him that story. Samantha, so I'm not on the front lines. It's not my area of expertise. And when you've got brilliant people and that is what is such a struggle here when we see these polarized sides in our culture, heck in our families and our, in our spousal relationships to think really is the other 50% or 40 or whatever it may be. Are they really completely stupid and evil? I mean, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, you got people who do care, who are educated, who are intelligent, who do have experience and to totally point them off as wrong. Again, it's really, I think it brings us back to just personal relationships of how can I take something 
that you do. I mean, Tom, you, you are, uh, is this okay to say, if you don't like it, we can edit it out. You're a gun owner. Oh yeah. Okay. We cool. Okay. I am not. I literally don't own a gun. I have never owned a gun. You know why? It's just, I don't have a tennis racket either. I don't know. It's just not part of my economy. It hasn't, I don't know. It's just, I don't have a brilliant statement of why it's not some, I could make some case, but I, I don't, I spent years as, as vegan and a lot as vegetarian. And I was a lot more staunch as to why as I am now, I don't have to justify everything either, but should we then pick sides and go, well, Tom, man, I don't align with that. I don't think God I don't, would Jesus carry a gun, Tom. I mean, we can go down that road, and you can. And you've got your side here, and instead we're buddies, and we're going to have breakfast together. And if you've got a gun with you, great, and you can help me if I'm in need, and I don't have one. So, but there we are. And as a culture, I do. It is interesting how we look at the other side and tend to think that they and just write them off, no consideration at all. It just does not make sense. And I think that's where Andy's really, it's hard is to bring us to. Yeah. And you said it, you said is they're either stupid or evil. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is why to me, almost every conspiracy theory to me is DOA because it me, because it means that everybody who has some knowledge of the conspiracy is either evil or too stupid to know what's going on. And I've got too many progressive friends and liberals and all kinds of, you know, (laughs) walks of life and experiences. And they, if they saw something on their side going on, that was like the claims are, they would, they would stand up and report it. Yeah. Right. And so whether you're progressive or, or conservative, just know that there are some pretty good people on both sides. Yeah. That can, aren't gonna, can I yeah. say an anonymous one that you and I talked about? It's been a few months ago. We don't have to name the person unless you want. I don't know. We probably shouldn't, but it's somebody who's uh, incredibly dear to you and, and, and me as well, but you have a lot more history with them and realize, and, and he may listen to this show. So it'd be an interesting conversation because we haven't had it, but I'll be candid enough. Uh, I'd be willing to. And he talked about his involvement and excitement about being involved in a business and it was sports gambling. Well, I heard that and I, I was a little bit surprised because I, again, I grew up in an economy where gambling's kind of not a good thing. You know, it's, that's a, from a conservative side, gambling is, you know, it's not helping people. And, you know, again, it's not something I studied. It's not a big soapbox, but I've always kind of had a, uh, you know, maybe that's not, that's not great. And I'm not talking about the guys who get together and play poker. And if somebody goes to Vegas, but you know, when you really get into the depths uh, of gambling, I've kind of had a negative connotation. And here's our buddy who we think so highly of, and he's, he's happily involved in this business. Yeah, man, it's awesome. People love sports betting. It's fun entertainment, you know, and we're doing this great thing. Uh, well, stink. I can't, that, that kind of jacks up my dogma as my buddy Scott would say in regards to, to give, I'm gonna have to think about that. And and just to what you said, when you find these people who are these awesome people and they're involved in this thing that we have written off as bad or in some ways, it makes me come back. Now it's not to just go the route of, and this is the, one of the rubs, Tom, that I'll ask you about here, because we can also get into the side of going, okay, everything, anything is okay. I, I can't necessarily line up with that because there are some things that I see that are driving people to harm. No bones about it. I don't think meth is doing anybody any good, you know, but, um, you know, I'm sure it was created medicinal or, you know, there's some drugs like that that were created medicinally to save people's lives. And so we're back to the, what I talked about on the show with Randy and, you know, a carrot is better than a hot pocket. And he's saying, well, no, not if you're starving to death, then it's going to save your life. <laughs> not to just exaggerate the sides, but we're talking about our heart in the middle. And it's so important as we are just flooded today with the media at large. We'll talk about the news and whatever, but also the social media from our peers. And it is so polarized. I think it's just no way that it can't infect us somewhat me as well. And so now I'm stepping back. Thanks to Andy and other people like that and going, gosh, what's at the heart of this? Is it, is, is, is right and wrong is the, the, the issue most important or it is, is it the relationship most important. Doesn't mean the issue doesn't matter. Doesn't mean we don't still need to deal with it. And sometimes we have to make a decision, 
of something we're going to put our faith in that we don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt and can't prove often. That's, there's the tension. And too many people today, and, and this is human, so this isn't today, this is forever, for as long as people have gathered in groups of more than one, I guess more than one equals a group. Yeah. Uh, but there's a tendency to want to win the argument rather than to grow the relationship. Yeah. And yet I believe that God created us for relationship which is a really interesting thing. So, you know, what if our goal was to grow the relationship? Mm-hmm. And so I would much rather earn someone's trust and respect out of love than out of control. And, and one of the comments on the Facebook uh, post was, if it's not unconditional love, then it's not love, it's control. Hmm. That was pretty deep. Well, let me ask you, Tom, because we're talking about, I mean, you're Tom Ziegler. You are from the legacy of Ziegler, which started in sales. And let's talk about that. Because, and we look at sales as influence, trying to influence someone for the betterment of them should be the heart of, of, of moral, ethical sales. And how often are we confronted that even again, back to parents where you have something, you see your child or spouse or whatever, but you see somebody and they are doing something that's harming them or they're suffering and and maybe just, you know, complaining about the suffering from something that you see that they're doing and you know, you could help them. You know, that you know that you could help them, your product, your service, your information, whatever could help them. And you want to, you want to win that, you know, back to what you said, you kind of want to win this argument for their, for their betterment. I mean, you've got, I mean, you've got a, it's a moral argument that you feel. And this gets into religion too, where there's so often people really want to sell this concept to somebody for something they really feel like is selfless. They want to help them. It may not even help them themselves, but they want to help them. And I, I understand the emotion behind that. And I've been faced with that, especially in health and wellness. When you see somebody who's just wrecking themselves and, you know, I could help, but they're not open to them, which comes open to it yet, which comes back to what you just said. If the, if you do want to help them, then the relationship has to come first. If you don't have that person's respect, if you don't have credibility with them, you are not going to win and you cannot help them which brings back the relevance of being skilled in sales, because if you want to help people and yet you cannot influence them, you have no influence. You can't help them. You can't, like you said, you can't give away Starbucks gift cards, gift cards. If you have not established or or been able to have some rapport with the person. And uh, so I understand the emotional difficulty of wanting, truly wanting to help other people, knowing that you can, and wanting to win that argument in essence for the betterment of them. But back to where you started just now, if we don't start with the relationship and we just start with trying to win that thing, even if it's for the other person, we're often going to fall on deaf ears and we can't, which brings, as you said, relationship to number one. Yep. And this is the, this is the hard part. Um, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, he says, uh, he says, I'm not going to bathe you in warm butter. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> basically meaning I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear yeah. or what the, or what the, the culture is parroting constantly unless it's for your best benefit. Hmm. Right. And so, so that's the sticky part is how do we create a relationship and only offer solutions that allow that person to grow and have the best chance for success. Yeah. So, you know, my, my mission statement is to, my mission is to create the atmosphere that allows you to become the person God created you to become. And so I've been given the hot question in front of an audience before from a cultural perspective. And I just tell them, Hey, you know, my responsibility here 
is is to is to give you information that gives you the best chance for success. Yeah. And I do that in a way, you know, dad, one of people you say about dad is uh, his gift was, is, is he could tell people what they needed to hear in a way they wanted to hear it. And so that is a, that is to me, that's the combination of walking out the virtues and preparing and being highly skilled to to sell right but to morally sell means that you're only uh positioning something for the other person's benefit right your your individual benefit is only a byproduct of their problem being solved and you know there are uh, speakers and people who go out and present and they think it's, they, they believe that it's wrong and immoral to sell from the stage, to sell something. And yet our own research shows that for every life he was changed at a speech. Mm-hmm. So a lot of speakers, people who uh, give presentations, a lot of them feel uncomfortable or maybe like it's even immoral to sell from the stage. And, and that, despite the fact that all of our studies show that for every person whose life was changed because of an incredible speech, 99 people's lives were changed because they bought the idea. They bought a program. They took the book home. They listened to the audio set, whatever the situation was over and over again. And so it's that combination of, we've got to, walk out the virtues, right? We, we've we've got to be a person that builds relationships around the things that really matter. And we need to be convincing in the things that matter. Uh, when people come to us and say, I've got a choice between A and B, and we know that A leads to success and B leads to uh, a rocky road, <laughs> we need to be able to ask them, well, why are you thinking of each one? And then be able to, in a, in an influencing way, suggest that A is probably going to be the best choice based on what they want in their life. Yeah. Right. And, and a lot of people hesitate and step back. Um, And, and, you know, but I think what we're talking about a lot of times in this polarization, and I'll just go back to the uh, vaccine mandate or the the idea of vax versus anti-vax the people with the megaphones are often like you said in the previous show they're the ones with the least the least expertise yeah right they're They're not the doctor they're paid they're hired guns yeah and and so this is where i came down to it i never made one post one way or the other uh on any social media on what you should do and here was, here was my thought process behind it. Um, we all have influence. Kevin Miller has influence. Dr. Randy James has influence. Tom Ziegler has influence. And from my position, not being an expert, there's no way I have as much knowledge as that individual and their doctor together can figure out. Mm-hmm. And so... Statistically, being the nerd that I am, I can tell you that depending on where you are in life and underlying conditions and everything else that's going on, the probabilities change in either direction, right? Of whether the outcome is worth the risk. If you know, and 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 but that's not me to decide. That's you and an expert that you trust, that you have a relationship on, who knows you. That's for you two to decide. And then you know what? Whatever you decide, I'm 100% behind it. I, I support it. Uh, that's just the way I... And, and whether you choose one or the other, it doesn't validate or invalidate what I've chosen or what my friends have chosen. So... This is why I love the conversations with you, Tom, because you brought me to a, a different uh, or an additional tip of the spear here that, and I want to say more important than our beliefs are our relationships, but some people are going to struggle with that. And maybe they should at least sequentially, I would say 
The relationship has to come before the belief. And I had this posed to me probably three plus years ago by Randy James uh, in regards to a certain issue with, with one of our kids. And if we put all these ideals we have out for our kids, it was in essence, I'm paraphrasing quite a bit because it was on a specific issue. But if we look at these ideals to so say, is, is having your child adhere or achieve or whatever, this thing that you think is best, is it that most important or is maintaining relationship most important? And that wasn't just being friends. I'll just be friends with your kids. I know there's debates around that, but when you lose relationship, which happens a lot of times with parents, with spouses, with family, with friends, with employees, with bosses, whatever. If you lose relationship, you lose any influence, you lose any opportunity to benefit that person's life because they're not going to listen to you anymore. Um, so at least sequentially, Tom, I would say just like the foundation of a house. So nobody ever walks into your house and goes, man, I love this foundation. It's awesome. They can't even see it for the most part. They're walking on it, but nobody pays attention to that without that foundation. The house doesn't stand. So at least sequentially, is it more important? I don't know. You need rooms and stuff or it's, you know, the foundation alone isn't any good, but man, sequentially, it just has me thinking about my relationship is first. Only then can I influence somebody else with my beliefs. Um, and I think it's again, a lot of the heart of what Andy was bringing to us, man, Tom, I, I love it. Love your insight. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Okay, friends, you can always find more of Tom Ziegler at Ziegler.com. And Annie Norman's book that spawned this discussion, again, is Mental Immunity, Infectious Ideas, Mind Parasites, and the Search for a Better Way to Think. You can find that, of course, anywhere. Thanks again for choosing to tune in to this self-helpful podcast. If you've got value, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Leave a review, if you would, wherever you listen to your podcast. Let people know about this episode and the podcast overall. And best of all, share something you learned today or heard with someone else. Talk about it. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself. 